The following is a production of Natural Bliss Podcast for a better quality of life. Hi, and welcome to It's Your Life. I'm your host, Joyce Wheeler. Today is Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. And I am here with Kathy Weiss. She is a naturally gifted healer, clairvoyant, source energy channel and intuitive. Think of her as a personal trainer for your soul. She guides others in living their heart and soul-centered lives, providing high levels of clarity and direction on how to move forward in life. The result is feeling validated, reassured, and affirmed. She holds a bachelor's degree in education and is experienced certified yoga instructor, teaching yoga to individuals and groups since 2006, and providing intuitive energy reading and healing sessions since 2018. Kathy is passionate about meeting you where you are and empowering your wellness and soul-centered life. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you, Joyce. I'm really happy to be here today. And I'm so happy to have you here. So what got you started on this journey? Of doing the intuitive energy reading and healing sessions. And the yoga and the, oh, those are like two different questions. Let's start with yoga just because it was a little bit earlier on in my life that I dove into that world. Uh, I was about 25 years old and I was starting my first, what I think of as like my big girl real job as an elementary school teacher. And the stress was just overwhelming. It was completely unexpected at how difficult of a job that was for me. And I was looking for something to help me manage my stress. A friend of mine, her mom did yoga at the community at the, the community college. And she recommended that we give it a try. So we took a six weeks beginner course. And I was like, in love. I was like, the, I think the first time I was ever really comfortable in my own physical body. And it was the first time I was comfortable and like actually able to relax around other people. I've always had a lot of um, anxiety around my physical body because I'm pretty petite. I'm not even quite five feet tall. And in this yoga experience, not only did my stress dissipate, but all of that other noise about all the things that I thought was wrong with me went away. And it was like, oh, I can do this yoga thing and not get judged or graded or labeled or anything like that. And at the end of that six week course, I was like, I am in, I am doing this yoga stuff. And I haven't looked back. I've been doing yoga now for almost 23 years. So what are the benefits of yoga outside of being a stress reliever? I understand there's other benefits. Yes. Oh gosh. It's sort of like, I feel like it could be the magic pill for whatever ails you if it's done properly. So yoga on a physical level, it improves not only flexibility, but strength. And I think that sometimes surprises people because it's meant to bring balance to the body. And a lot of us need more strengthening than we do more range of motion or flexibility than we actually realize. So just on a physical level, there's that. It also helps to decrease blood pressure and regulate your heart rate. So all of those great like physical benefits, then there's mental benefits such as increasing your ability to concentrate for longer periods of time and help you to manage stressful situations from a mental standpoint, not just that physiological like decrease in stress, which happens from yoga, but also 
more about training your mind to observe situations and not label them so much as like, this is great, this is horrible, the world is ending, and to just look at it as this is a situation that's happening. And from a place of clarity, I can choose a wise course of action. And it's sort of this really surprising benefit to yoga because people think, oh, you're just like stretching or on your mat moving around. But it's such an internal process. For example, if you're in a very difficult pose and your body is trembling and shaking and vibrating, yoga teaches you to just look at yourself going like, oh, look, I'm trembling and vibrating. That's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just happening. And in that way, you learn how to look at your other life experiences and say, oh, like, I'm super anxious because I'm at the dentist getting, you know, a cavity filled right now. And instead of freaking out, just being like, this is just happening and it's going to end soon and everything's going to be okay. So you started using yoga as a way to deal with your stress and anxiety. Absolutely. So, and what made you become a yoga teacher? And I also understand there's different types of yoga. Can we touch on that too? Sure, absolutely. So yoga, I think I love to call it ice cream. And just like there's so many different flavors of ice cream, there's so many different flavors of yoga. So there are very strong, powerful, dynamic move and flow. And it's like very cardiovascular type yoga. There's also yoga that's really great for beginners that moves at a slower pace and has more detailed instruction. There is restorative yoga, which is all poses that are supported by props so that the physical body can surrender and relax. And there is like everything in between from like super passive to super active. And then there's also yoga that addresses the energy of the physical body or the subtle body, excuse me, the energy of the subtle body, the way that you manipulate your breath and the way that you use your thoughts. And that changes the results of the yoga as well. So when somebody's sort of exploring yoga or interested in it, it's wise to go in a little bit with what results they're hoping to get so that they can find a teacher who has experience in that area so that they can get those desired results, whether it's strength or flexibility or decreasing stress or managing anxiety or depression or healing from, say, an injury or recovering from a surgery or something like that. There's, it's all out there. You just have to look around to find the right fit. So what kind of yoga do you teach? The primary yoga that I teach is a stronger version. So a little bit more strength building versus flexibility with some flow. It's kind of a little bit of a balance between we're going to work really hard and then we're going to chill out and do some nice stretches at the end. And I primarily work with women in their mid 30s to mid 50s. So they're at an age when maintaining things like bone density and strength to maintain posture and have a healthy range of motion for later in life is their goal. Sometimes younger women, and this is totally valid and fine because I was that young woman, sometimes the younger women want to do like the big fancy poses like the back bends and the put the leg behind my head and the arm balances. And those are so fun and so cool and totally valid. I just happen to work with a population who is really interested in in the longevity of their physical body. So maybe not doing such big fancy poses, but things that are really integrated and deliberate to keep the body strong and supple over time. 
Now, that's interesting that you mentioned bone density mm-hmm. because uh, working out and exercising, I've always been told one way to increase bone density was using weights mm-hmm. So, uh, and to prevent osteoporosis. So does the yoga work the same way to where it helps to reverse osteoporosis? I don't know if it would reverse it, but there are definitely poses that use body weight as the weight resistance. So things like push-up, like plank pose and push-ups and handstands. So if you think about a handstand, you're taking all of that weight and loading it over your shoulders and your hands and your arms. So you are getting some of that weight resistance just through your physical body. I agree with you that women over about 35 should also be using light light to medium weights in their self-care regime. And I don't advocate that somebody over the age of 35 only does yoga as their physical self-care practice. I think it should be a part of it. Well, it's amazing because I saw the local farmer's market and there was a yoga studio right up the road. And there's a lot of women that come from that yoga studio. And I would say the majority of them are over 55, over 60 years old. And Mm -hmm. they're in really good shape. Yeah. I never thought that yoga could could do that for a body. So it just mesmerizes me because I've always been, I come from the generation where it's like exercise, exercise, exercise. And right, like a traditional gym type workout. Right, right. Yeah. And one of the women who sells at the market, she had fallen and she had, she broke a bone mm-hmm. and she healed real quickly. And her doctor had said that if she probably wasn't doing yoga, she probably would not have healed so fast. Yeah, it's really incredible and powerful. And that just brought to mind one of my students who's been with me for about seven years now. She started with me in her late 40s, and now she's 54. And at 54, compared to when I met her a couple of years ago, she is stronger and has greater stamina, improved posture, and improved energy than she did when we met. So it's almost like she has reversed some of the things that she thought were natural causes of aging or natural result of aging. So for example, she used to, after a class with me, have to go home and lay down and take a nap because she was exhausted from the exertion. And now she's keeping up with the young girls and like, then she goes for hikes after class and she's just like a whole, renewed human being so it and she comes twice a week that's all she does twice is yoga twice a week and then now because she's increased her energy and her vitality and her stamina now she also goes to the gym a couple of days a week where she wasn't doing any of that before because she didn't have like the energy or the strength Uh, and yoga was really the doorway into like a very much healthier version of who she is you know it's amazing that you you had mentioned when I had asked about the uh, bone density with the weights that, you know, our body can actually be used like a weight, mm-hmm. you know, using our own body for resistance. Yes. So that, that makes perfect sense. It yeah. just the fact that exercise, you know, like a gym type regimen is always put above yoga. You never hear these things about yoga. Not very often because, and unfortunately we're kind of, especially with the digital world that we're living in where images are really everything, the images that sort of are more popular around yoga right now are like, I kind of call them the sexy poses, but they, 
require great ranges of motion and flexibility. And so we're looking at someone and going like, wow, they're so limber without realizing the strength that it takes to not only get into that shape, but to hold it. And it's so it's a little bit, um, I think it just isn't conveyed very well at how strength building yoga truly is. And most people, when they first try it, if they're trying um, a Hatha or a Vinyasa style, so what's similar to what I teach, they kind of walk away going like, well, I did not realize yoga was that hard. That's I have to, I have to chuckle at that because on my Instagram, I follow some people who do yoga and I look at them and I go, oh my gosh, how the heck did they do that? <laughs> yeah. It's just like when I first started doing planks, it, I felt like I was going through hell. I just, yeah. you know, it was so hard. And after a while, I got used to it. But I also realized that it had such a benefit for the core and for the back. I had always had a lower back pain when I stood for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing planks, that back pain went away. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though planks aren't fun at first, once you get used to them, you know, it's really not that bad. Yeah. And, and you know, there again, like you're talking, you're using the, you're using the body. You've got to hold that position. There's so many different types of, of planks, too. Yes. So let's talk about the importance of breathing for, uh, for better health. Okay. Well, number one, breath is our, like, Oxygen is like fuel for your body. So a lot of times when we're thinking about fueling our body, we're thinking about the food that we eat, but our cells need oxygen in order to do their groovy cell things. And so breath does two things. Number one, it brings in oxygen for your cells. And then it also is removing carbon dioxide from the system or the waste product. And generally speaking, most of us go through our day without thinking about our breath. Thank God we don't have to think every time we need to take a breath, or that would be all we thought about all day long. So the breath, when we're not thinking about it, can do a couple of different things. One, some people take big giant inhales, and so they're getting a lot of oxygen and fuel for their system, but doing really tiny short exhales. So they aren't removing enough waste, and they get a buildup of carbon dioxide in the bloodstream. And what's interesting about that is that uh, the symptoms of excessive carbon dioxide in the bloodstream are very similar to symptoms of anxiety. So sometimes just regulating the breath, and I'll talk a moment about how to do that, can help reduce anxiety. So another thing that some people do is they take really teeny tiny inhales and then big giant exhales. So they aren't getting enough oxygen to fuel their body and help their cells do their groovy cell things. And so that often ends up feeling like fatigue and lethargy because the body is working really hard without enough fuel. Uh, And then the last thing that people do unconsciously with the breath is they hold it. They'll take an inhale and then not do an exhale for several counts. And that ends up being the same as uh, the first one where carbon dioxide is building up in the bloodstream instead of being released as the waste product. And so then again, the end result can be symptoms that feel like anxiety. So a real simple way is to set a timer on your phone for like one or two minutes and to even out your breath. So where the inhale and the exhale are of equal length. So for example, if you were counting your breath and you counted like inhale, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four. And just doing that for a minute 
or two minutes can start to regulate the breath and even it out so that you're getting the benefits of both, right? We need the inhales and the exhales serving different purposes for our body. And that even just that tiny little bit can sometimes be enough to increase energy and or decrease anxiety, depending on how a person is feeling on any given day. Now, I heard that we're not conscious enough about the way that we're breathing, that the majority of people walking around have 20% stale air in their lungs. I have heard the same too. Yeah. And we don't If we exhaled all the air out, by the way, our lungs would stick together. So we're supposed to have a little bit of air in there at any given time. But yes, most of us aren't exhaling completely and emptying out as much of the carbon dioxide and the waste products as we could or should be. Now, what about the breathing? I I know like when I meditate, I'll do guided meditations and they're breathing the slow inhale through the nose and then hold it for, you know, a second, and then the slow exhale through the mouth. Mm -hmm. Is that a good breathing technique? Yeah, absolutely. And there's in in the yoga world, it's called pranayama or breathing exercises, or breathing techniques. And there are many of them. And so there are some where it's even inhale, hold, exhale, hold. And that small little pause is just allowing the lungs to do their exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide. And that's another really wonderful, lovely technique. Beyond that, I try not to go too much into other breathing techniques unless I know someone because they they can be very powerful in affecting your energy. And we want to make sure we're doing the right. It's sort of like a medicine, not really medicine, but sort of like medicine. We want to use the right technique for the right symptoms. So someone who's experiencing anxiety, I might give them one type of breathing technique, whereas somebody who's more going down the road of depression, I might give them a different breathing technique. So generally speaking for like just an average, hey, what's a great breathing thing to do? Just like that, either the even inhale and exhale or the inhale, pause, exhale, pause, in which the inhales and exhales are even, and the two pauses are even. So if you inhale and you pause for one or two counts, then when you exhale, you pause for one or two counts. Like as a great generic, anybody can do this safely, I'm on board with that. How often should we practice conscious breathing? Oh gosh, I'd be stoked if people did it once a day. Okay, so once a day is good. Is there a certain time length? You know, this is kind of, that's a great question. And again, it starts to build up to like what's reasonable for someone and their experience level because we can build up to practices of pranayama that are seven or 10 or even 20 minutes long. But for someone who's just starting out and just kind of wanting to play with it, one or two minutes is fine. Sometimes we can start to feel a little bit dizzy or lightheaded or um, like there's a struggle to breathe and we don't want that. That's a counterproductive. So even if you're starting at two minutes and trying this and you start to feel uncomfortable or like you can't breathe properly, you want to stop and take a couple of normal just whatever breaths. I call them recovery breaths where you just let whatever needs to happen, happen. And then you might start up again for another 30 seconds or minute until you're, because there's the diaphragm, right? Needs to build that strength. And um, I think what a lot of people aren't aware of, there's other muscles involved in breathing, 
but the diaphragm is the main muscle. And if we haven't been consciously breathing and doing these nice full breaths, the diaphragm, like any other muscle, can be either weak and not very strong or sort of short and tight and needs to be stretched out. So it's like exercising any other muscle. It might take time to build the ability to do breathing practices for longer periods of time. Great, Kathy. Thank you for that. We'll be right back with Joyce Wheeler and It's Your Life. Do you have jars of expensive beauty care products that just didn't do what they claimed? Many women are just like you, spending big bucks on products that do not give results. At Heavenly Bodies, their products do what they say. Why? Because they use only certified organic plant-based ingredients, which have been used by women for thousands of years. Heavenly Bodies believes every woman deserves to have quality skincare products at affordable prices that work. To purchase your Heavenly Bodies products, visit their website at hborganicskincare.com. We're back with Joyce Wheeler and It's Your Life. Now, I had mentioned meditation. Let's talk about the benefits of meditation. Oh, gosh. I feel like we could just talk for days on the benefits of meditation. Right. Uh, it's a, yeah. uh, so it's important for people to know if they're new to meditation, it can be frustrating at first because we often aren't educating people about what leads up to meditation. Uh, so before we can even meditate, we need to know how to concentrate. And again, I just feel like we're living in an amazing, magical world right now where we can connect with people instantly across the planet. We can see what our friends are up to right away. There's so much instant information and it's constantly changing. But we do know that people's attention span, therefore, is decreasing. And so most of us need to start to train our mind to be able to hold one thought consistently. So starting meditation, before you even like think, boy, I'm going to sit down and meditate and have eternal bliss. The goal should be I'm going to sit down and I'm going to teach my mind how to concentrate. And a great technique for concentration is using a mantra. There's lots. Okay. By the way, there's lots of techniques. This is a technique, which is to use a mantra. And the word mantra comes from two words in Sanskrit, manas, which means the mind, and triati, which means that which liberates, or I like to say frees or saves. So a mantra is that which liberates your mind, stops the crazy swirling to-do list or what's wrong with me, or I can't do this, or I suck. And it focuses it back on this word or phrase that is nourishing and healthy and healing and soothing. And you can use mantras in English. One of my favorites in English is at peace. So on the inhale, you silently think at, and on your exhale, you silently think peace. And in Sanskrit, which is a great thing to do too, because it's like, doesn't matter what the words mean, or they're just vibrations that help not only soothe your mind, but heal your body, is to silently and mentally inhale the word so, S-O, 
and to exhale, think hum, H-U-M. So are you, are we actually saying these words? Some people will if it helps them. Generally, we're going to do that silently just in the mind. Okay. And so that what that using a mantra does is it gives the mind something to do rather than ruminate about how I can't meditate or I'm doing it wrong or something magical is supposed to happen or I'm supposed to levitate above of the floor. Uh, and it just really teaches the mind to to start to still and to settle and slow down. The other thing about learning to meditate for some people is just the ability to physically sit still for a couple of minutes. Because again, we're in a world that's very active. We are very hung up on productivity and producing results and everything that we do having a purpose or a reason. And it can be difficult to simply sit and not move with no purpose or reason other than sitting still and not moving. And so some of it can be just setting a timer for two or five minutes and deliberately choosing that I am going to sit still and not get my butt up off this chair for two or five minutes. So you're talking about just sitting there and just working on clearing the mind? Yeah. And and having the ability to not move the body because it can be very fidgety. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, well, my mind is still in quiet, but my body is dancing all over the place. You're kind of, you know, losing some of the benefits of, of true stillness, uh, you know, and medicate <laughs> not. It could be medication, but yep. medita- <laughs> meditation is really about being still and being calm and having a one pointed focus in the mind. And so the physical body needs to get calm and still as well. And I know when I first started to deliberately meditate about mm, 12 or 13 years ago, where I really decided like, I'm going to like walk my talk as a yoga teacher and actually meditate every day. I would set a timer for about 10 minutes. And there were days where I'd be like, oh, but I got to rotate the laundry. I've got to go answer those emails. And like my body would almost feel like it was itching to move. And it and just the task or the goal at hand was like, nope, you're going to sit here and just train the physical body to be still before even like worrying about what's going on with the mind can be like the first hurdle towards meditation. So I really encourage people to give it a go and to just really be patient and know that some of it at first might just feel like really antsy and uncomfortable. And you have to just let your body get used to that stillness. So Kathy, once people get past that point, where do they go from there? I would say increasing duration up to whatever's comfortable for them. 15, 20 minutes a day is really great. 12 12 minutes, it kind of really depends on people's personal preference, but increasing duration. Once you can sit comfortably and focus your mind, start to increase the amount of time that you're meditating. Or some people prefer to do um, like, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, and then 10 or 15 minutes in the evening. That's also another great way to sort of deepen your meditation practice is to increase from once a day to twice a day. So what are some of the benefits of meditation? I'm like, oh, where do we start? Like my brain just like saw an explosion of all of the benefits. I'm going to say my, I say to people, I think it's the number one thing that they can do for their health. I agree. Across the board. It decreases, again, blood pressure heart rate, respiration, it settles the mind, it rests the body, it's like true, truly restful. 
for the body and the mind. It also teaches people how to clear out that internal clutter and start to hear the deeper wisdom and truth that lies within because those voices, whatever you want to call that, whether you want to call it your higher self, your consciousness, your spirit guides, whatever that is that we're trying to listen to, it's very quiet. And we can't hear that when we're bombarding ourselves with external stimulation or even internal stimulation. And so I have found over the years that one of the greatest gifts of meditation is actually being able to tap deeper into myself and really honor that inner wisdom to create a life that I'm meant to be living because it satisfies me, not a life that I'm living because so-and-so said so, and this person over there said, I have to do my Instagram feed like this, and that person over there said that. Like, no, I'm coming back over here to myself and trusting my inner wisdom and the way that I want to live and be in the world. And you can really, I think, only get there in that place that's really quiet and still. I agree. And in, in, in our society today, there's just too much stuff going on. And going back to uh, the monkey mind, it's been called when it, yes. the, the brain just keeps rattling on and on and on. Mm-hmm. One thing that I suggest people do before they meditate is write down whatever they have to do after meditation, like switching out the laundry. Yes. Get it all out. Get it out of your head. Put it down on a piece of paper so that when when you're in that quiet space, you're not going, oh, what do I have to do? Or I have to do this. You've got it all written out. So when you're finished, you can go there. One thing that I heard too is that meditation creates neurotransmitters and hormones that our brain needs for good health. Yeah, absolutely. And also the dopamine and the melatonin and all that. Yeah, all totally. That. You do you do get your increase of serotonin and dopamine. Um, and like those are our feel-good, happy hormones. So got to love that, right? Right. <laughs> I totally agree. So how often should we be meditating, Kathy? I'm going to say daily. Or if that feels like a little too daunting, how about five or six days a week? I usually shoot for six days a week and then I give myself one day a week that's like my off day or my treat day. And for me with yoga and like all of my practices, even though it's not like I spaz out and do things that are crazy on my off day. Um, but I feel like for me, it's it allows me to sort of set that, take that off. And that way, when I return to it on Monday, it's a joy rather than feeling like a burden. And that's just the way that I'm wired. I think if I did my yoga and my meditation and my pranayama and everything seven days a week, at some point, I would start to feel really resentful and angry about it because it wouldn't feel like a choice anymore. It would feel like something that I had to do. And by just giving myself that one day breather, it's like, I kind of miss it. And then I'm really ready to start back. Now, just because you're doing it six days a week does not mean everybody has to. No, absolutely not. And that's part of what that inner listening is Mm -hmm. about, is finding what's right. Maybe some people do want to do it seven days a week, and it totally brings them joy, and they're thrilled. Like, go, do your thing. Maybe for some people, it's only two days a week. It's all correct, right? There's no right answer. But what meditation can do is help you start to hear your answer. Connect with your spirit guides, your higher self, or yes, 
you know, exactly animal guides. And yeah, whatever that is. And sometimes the only way we're going to find that is through meditation. That's how I found it. I didn't know about that before until I started meditating and was actually doing a guided meditation mm-hmm. to meet my spirit guides. And that's how I met my first one, mm-hmm. along with my animal guide. And then later on, because in the practice of meditation, I was open to any other guides coming in. So it's like, oh, here's this new guide. Oh, hi, how are you? You know? Right. Yes. So they might just pop up or sometimes when I'm meditating, I might ask for, you know, any of my angels or spirit guides or ascended masters to come in to, you know, let me know whatever it is I need to know mm-hmm. that that's going on right then and there. So I do a lot of guided uh, meditations, but I also just, I like to listen to Native American music in the back. Mm-hmm. What, how about you? What do you do? I generally just nothing. I mean, I could just sit down and and do my meditation. Although I do go through phases where for what, like you said, monkey mind, sometimes I just can't quite reel it in. Or if I'm really super tired for whatever reason, then I will go to a guided meditation. And usually I prefer even, it's just music. It's just uh, music that supports meditation. Um, And there's lots of different music that does that. so I might go that route on occasion, but at this point, I am pretty good at being able to to sit down. And it takes a couple minutes, right? Even you know, after years of doing practice, and I love to call it practice, not perfection. It's like every day, I'm just going to show up and practice meditating, and maybe I'll get better at it today. But it still sometimes can take like two, three, five, seven, twelve minutes before I'm in that place that really feels like oh here I am. And, and I think that's really important for people to know too. It, it, even when you're like super well practiced, there are days when it can just take time for everything to settle down. It's like if you take a bottle of water and put some sand in it and shake it up, right? It takes a couple of minutes for that sand to start to settle down. Uh, and so just think of the mind like that, like, oh, there's just my sand. It's just like taking a minute to kind of settle back down to the bottom. So for me, I choose to meditate in the morning before I get into like my to-dos and my day. And that helps me a lot. If I make the mistake of opening up email Mm -hmm. or doing any of that kind of stuff before meditation, it makes it harder for me to get in. So I like to meditate before getting into my day. I tend to be more successful that way. No, I don't know why. I guess it's because I always started meditating with music. But also, I find that it raises my vibrational frequency. Sure. So that's why I like the music too. But Yeah, and that's totally awesome. But last Sunday, the electricity went out. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, okay, this is the third weekend in a row. I can sit here and freak out. Is it going to do any good? No, I don't think so. So I said, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to smudge the house. So I smudged the house, smudged myself. And it was so peaceful and quiet in here. I decided, you know what, I'm going to go sit down and meditate for a while. Mm -hmm. And it was actually very pleasurable because I thought if I had that peace and quiet with nothing going on behind me, I thought I would have more of that monkey mind. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. So Yeah, it's interesting, right? It was actually very pleasurable just to to sit in in the quiet 
and to, you know, get in touch with my guides and figure out what I had to do. And it was actually a very productive meditation too. Yes. Lately, my deal has been that the movies got it wrong, sort of, Um, because it is when we're in meditation or when we're channeling with guides or having those type of energetic experiences, it is very blissful. It's very peaceful. It's very calm. There's nothing like freaky or weird happening. It's like literally just you in a room sitting still and being quiet. And what's also healing about it on a vibrational level, like kind of changing directions a little bit, we're bombarded with external stimulation all the time. Even if it's great, lovely music, it's still stimulation uh, as far as like vibrational frequencies go. And so it's nice sometimes to give our physical body a break from all of those different vibrations coming in and just, again, like letting the sand settle in yoga that's called pratyahara withdrawal of the senses so when we're not listening or looking or absorbed in how things feel or taste or smell we're just completely removed from all of that stimulation it's super healing and super revitalizing to our poor (laughs) bombarded bodies you know there's just so much coming in all the time that like you're saying to occasionally turn off the music and the lights and the noise and the sound and the everything. It actually feels incredible. So Kathy, do you have anything else to add on this part of the conversation? If not, I'd like to hear what you how you got into the intuitive energy work that you do. Yeah, let's see. I channeled a message for your listeners right before we hopped on Sweet. today's call. And I think that it goes, it's going to be like a perfect segue in between the two, because what it says is turn off the noise. Mm. There are as many ways to move through through life as there are people on the planet. Your heart knows the way for you. Align your energy and your soul only with that which supports and upholds your vision of health, wealth, and success. That's wonderful. Yeah, and that really just comes from everything that we've been talking about. Right. So I thought that was like a really great time to to land that. So as far as how I got into doing intuitive energy reading and healing sessions, it definitely was a part of me for a very long time that I kept quiet because I didn't quite understand it and didn't know anyone else really that I could talk to about energy and energy work and energy healing and kind of was living in a smaller town where even just teaching yoga at first was a struggle because it was a little bit unfamiliar. This is about like 11 years ago and in this area, it wasn't quite mainstream yet. And so like, there is no way I'm going to be talking about this weird stuff that I don't have words for. And then over time, I befriended someone who is an incredible Reiki healer, and she would do Reiki for me. And while I always had a sense that I had three spirit guides with me, the first time I really like met my one of them was in my first Reiki session with her. And I was like, what is happening right now? And, you know, and she was able to talk to me about it. And so in that way, at least I had one person that I felt like I could talk to. Right at the end of 2017, 
I was having just a total dud of a day. I had entered a manuscript into a book publishing competition where if you won the competition, you got your book published without needing an agent, which is a big deal. You generally need an agent to publish with a traditional publisher. And all the time leading up to the announcement and the work that I had done, I was like, I am winning this thing. Law of attraction. I see myself winning. I'm holding the book. I know what I'm wearing when they call me to tell me that I've won. I'm feeling the feeling. I was doing all the things. And then the day came where it turns out that I did not win. And I was just like, stupid law of attraction. It doesn't work. And I was just like so frustrated. Uh, And so she and I were on the phone. And at the end of the call, she said, I'm going to send you this deck of oracle cards. A couple of days later, the deck arrives. And the moment I put my hands on the deck, I heard loud and clear, you need to do this for other people. And I was like, okay. And I just put out on Facebook, like, hey, friends, I'm going to start doing Oracle card readings. Does anybody want one to help me practice? And so I started doing that. And people were very receptive. I was a little bit nervous. I was like, "Mm, people are going to like freak out or like criticize me or judge me or tell me whatever. And that didn't happen. What happened was that like, friends were like, yeah, I want that. And nobody was surprised. More, it was like, um, we've kind of always known that you could do this. <laughs> so that used the transition quite a bit. Um, but I still had to like struggle my way through a little bit because I realized very early on, I wasn't reading the Oracle cards. I was actually reading people's energy. And mm-hmm. then I realized that it was even more conducive for me to read their energy before I met up with them. Because then I was getting really a pure reading of their energy and not their body language or their facial expressions, which can sometimes muddle it a little bit or as they are, as their energy is responding to the information that I'm bringing up, they put out different vibrations. So, so that sort of evolved into where I was doing the energy reading and then realizing sometimes I just wanted to get in there and do the energy healing as well. So I would also do that. And then we meet up and talk about it. And I give them, my clients, things that they can specifically do in their life to move forward. Because if I only read and interpret energy and do some healing for them, if they continue to keep doing the same things that they've been doing, that vibration is just going to come back. And so unlike other um, like card readers who are wonderful, they give you like really great messages I'm not only going to give you the messages from your spirit guides or your energy and what your heart and soul is calling you towards. I give people really practical, simple things that they can start doing right away in their lives to take them off in a new direction or to just soothe them and let them know they're already moving in the right direction. Uh, So so in that, I would say that sort of like development of what the heck I was doing took about six or eight months. So now it's been just a little under a year that I've really been specifically focused and targeted on doing my sessions that way. So that's kind of how I got started and to where I am now. I'm curious, which Oracle deck did you get? The first one was the Mother Mary Mary Oracle. Okay. And so you you can you can do these sessions long distance? Yes. I as a matter of fact, I have clients. So my home base is California and I have clients in places like 
Michigan, Oman in the Middle East, Australia, the UK, and Toronto, Canada, and right here down the street. So I do have clients that also come to my home, um, but mm, the vast majority of them are elsewhere on the planet. And we meet up on Zoom, which is a digital video like call platform. Kind of like Skype. Yes, exactly. Very similar to Skype. And so what I do is, again, and this is more, it's very meditative for me and it's very blissful and peaceful. It's not like in a movie where like, whoa, they're spazzing out or like weird, like speaking in weird languages or, you know, whatever's going on in the movies. It's like, it's just me sitting down with a clipboard and a pen and I'm so like zen and chill and I only need their name. If I know them and I've seen their face or I've seen a picture of their face, I might pull that up as well. Um, but really what I do is I just call it tuning into their channel. And this is because I'm highly sensitive. So we all have the ability to feel the energy coming off of other people. This is right. scientifically proven fact. But to what degree or over what difference varies. And only about 20% of the population is highly sensitive, which means I can feel that over much greater distances than your average person. And then combined with natural gifts of intuitiveness and clairvoyance, is it kind of it makes what I do a little bit more unique just based on numbers, right? There are only going to be so many people on the planet gifted with high sensitivity and clairvoyance together. So Kathy, if somebody wants to have a session with you, where should they go? They can pop on over to my website, which is Kathy with a C hyphen Weiss.com. It's W-E-I-S-S.com. And if they pop over there and subscribe to my newsletter, they also can get a free mini intuitive reading. I do those every Mondays now. It's super fun. Um, so that could be a really great way to get to know me a little bit more and get a feel for what a reading is like just by subscribing to my newsletter. But then they can also find, um, you know, all the different types of offerings and packages that I have for them. We're about at the top of the hour. Do you, is there any last comments that you have to make to the audience before we go? My only comment is like, man, time flies when we're having fun. Because when you said <laughs> we were at an hour, I was like, no, it's only been like 20 minutes. What are you talking about? And that was incredible and delightful. And I would just want to leave people with if you're having any questions more specifically about what the heck is energy or what the heck is clairvoyance, I have a really great natural gift for demystifying that stuff and helping people understand. It's really just a natural, normal thing that we as a society haven't spoken about openly. And they are 100% welcome to reach out via my website or I'm on Facebook at Lightworker Kathy Weiss or on Instagram at Lightworker underscore Kathy. Shoot me questions. I always get back to people and I'm always happy to clarify and help people understand what this stuff is that's going on. So when is your YouTube channel going to launch? I have a YouTube channel now. Ah. And I use, it hasn't been, what is the word? It doesn't have a vanity URL quite yet. I'm in the process of that. So for right now, if they were to type in bit.ly, which is B-I-T dot L-Y slash YouTube Kathy, I'll come up. They can also search for Kathy Weiss channel and find me that way. And I've got lots of um, channeled messages and intuitive readings that I did for people uh, and all that good stuff over there. Excellent. 
Thank you so much, Kathy, for being with me. I really enjoyed having you here. It was absolutely my pleasure today, Joyce. Okay, you've been listening to It's Your Life. I've been your host, Joyce Weather. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of Natural Bliss Podcast for a better quality of life.